Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, hello everybody. You know, I was just thinking as Kev was saying there, um, it is... um, Almost 20 years since we first met Kevin and Cheryl. And, you know, I think sometimes long-term relationships are undervalued in church life. And people hop, skip, and jump from one church to another. And they never develop the the depth of covenant relationships that you can have when you're in it together for the long term. And, you know, Kate and I first came into um, what was then Christian Outreach Center, now INC, in... Um, 1993, and you know, since then we have been working alongside uh, a batch of people. Uh, we've known many people over that sort of length of time, and there is a strength in those relationships that simply does not exist in the the acquaintances that that you make over the the weeks, months, even small numbers of years. So I'd encourage you, get stuck in for the long haul. Hey, well, we're in the Blessed is Better series, and um, we're looking tonight at verse 7. So I'm just going to um, read Deuteronomy 28 um, up until that point. It says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come to you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. And that's our focus tonight. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Now, what a promise there in the Word of God. Isn't that an inspiration? And you know, I do hope to inspire you tonight, but I'm... I hope to go beyond inspiration, because if you're anything like me, you've heard inspiring messages before. You, you've heard amazing messages about the, the victory that we have in Christ, which is, is really what I want to, to get across tonight. But you've gone home bursting with excitement, and then... It's not long before something comes along. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's an event, maybe it's a circumstance. And it challenges the message that you've heard. And you begin to question in your mind, is, is it really true? Is this really reality? Or is this just some, some theory? Yeah. And you lower your expectations and you begin to settle for less than um, that message you had heard. And you accept something less than complete victory in your life. And you start to compromise a little here and a little there. We give an inch, and we give another inch, and we give another inch. And before we know it, we're a mile in our expectations from where we started. And, you know, I believe there are many keys to enforcing the victory we have in Christ. There are many weapons that we have at our disposal. But I also think that sometimes we just make it too complicated. 
And I want to share with you tonight one simple truth, which I think is absolutely critical in enforcing that victory we have in Jesus. And here it is. When the enemy comes against you, you need to stand. And just in case anyone's um, disappointed, if anyone was um, hoping for some deep teaching tonight, you, you know, the victorious Christian life is not usually about finding the revelation that no one else has ever had. Um, Much more often, it's about catching hold of that main thing. Something that the Bible tells us about over and over again. Catching hold of that, applying it, doing it well in our lives. And this truth, that when the enemy comes against you, you need to stand. It's something that my observation is about 95% of Christians fail to do it about 95% of the time. And so really, I want you to get a hold of this tonight, this simple truth. When the enemy comes against you, stand. First of all, just head back to that victory that Jesus won on the cross. You know, that is why we can stand. We can't stand in our own strength. I'm not Superman, neither are you. Um, But Jesus did something on the cross. He died and he rose again to establish a victory. Not for himself. Jesus was already seated up up there in heaven. But he did it for you and he did it for me. And in Colossians chapter 2, it summarizes this. It says, having disarmed the powers and authorities... He made a public spectacle of them. This is Colossians 2.15. Triumphing over them by the cross. And of course, our battle, our enemies are not flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people. Although, you know, if you're anything like me, sometimes you would like to. (laughs) But we are fighting spiritual enemies. Okay, so let's just settle that. We're not fighting people, whatever they do to you. You're fighting that, um, that devil and his forces. And this is what it's talking about in this verse. That Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. And I want to have a look at that word disarmed here for a minute. The, it's a crucial word. It doesn't quite mean disarmed. In the Greek, the, the word is apekduomai. And it means to strip off. And here's why. Um, the, the early readers of this letter to the Colossians, they, as soon as they saw this word, they'd get a picture in their head. And it's a picture of a victorious Roman general who has won a great victory and he has his defeated foes lined up in front of him. And he gets the commanders of the enemy, he lines them up and he walks down that line and he rips off their clothes Everything that says they're a general, they're a commander, that they have authority in that army. Just to reinforce this, I've got a a wee video clip um, to illustrate this, which comes from, uh, of all movies, from Mary Poppins. (laughs) It's an epic duo of mine. (laughs) You know, those bankers are saying, Mr. Banks... You're no longer a banker. He gets his carnation ripped in two. He gets his his umbrella turned inside out. He gets his bowler hat punched. They're saying, you no longer have any authority in this bank. And you know, that is what Jesus did to the devil when he died and rose again. 
He stripped off everything that says that Satan has authority on this earth. And that, it doesn't mean that, um, that Satan can't attack people. Uh, most certainly he can. But it means his authority is removed, particularly uh, against the, the life of the believer. No longer is the devil the legitimate authority in this world. No longer has he the right to control our lives. Jesus has triumphed. And that is why we can stand. What do I mean by stand? I mean, don't back down. I mean, don't compromise. I mean, don't change your mind. Now, just a little aside here. Sometimes we do need to change our minds. Sometimes we choose our path, which is not God's path. Sometimes we go off on a tangent. We go off in our own direction. And we get to a point where we realize, man, I should not be here. God never told me to, to take that route. It's, um, it's just me. It's my silly pride or temptation or whatever it is that's got me there. And in that case, we need to do a U-turn and get back to where God wants us to be. But that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is defending the ground God has given us. There are things in life that God says are truly valuable. And with regard to those, I'm saying, don't change your mind. There's a guy in the Bible who had a revelation of standing. And he's called Shammah. And he's one of David's mighty men. He's out with the army one day, and they discover some Philistines. Now, that's not completely a surprise. Probably they were out looking for Philistines. But (laughs) this place is hoaching, if I can use a Scots word, with Philistines. There are Philistines here, there are Philistines there, there are Philistines everywhere. And this place, it happens to be a field of lentils. And here there are Philistines coming out from behind the lentils, from round the corners, from, from behind the trees. Everywhere they look, there are Philistines. And the troops take one look at them and they turn tail and run. And you know, I think we can understand what they're thinking. They're probably thinking something like this. Things are getting a bit intense and we are outnumbered. They're they're thinking, well, it's it's okay because there's nothing worth defending here. It's only a field of lentils. They're thinking, "We'll, we'll pull back. Don't bother about the lentils. We'll pull back until we find something that's worth defending. But look what the Bible says in 2 Samuel 23. It says, next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. You see, this Shammah, he's thinking differently. At least, I reckon he's thinking differently. Um, We don't actually know what he's thinking. Maybe he's just a crazy guy that likes to kill Philistines. But, But, you know, I reckon not. This is one of David's mighty men, not only one of the 30 mighty men, but one of the three. He's a, he's a great leader. He's an inspiration to the others. He's a strategist as well as a fighter. And I reckon he's thinking something like this. God gave us that field. It may just be lentils, but it's a part of what God gave us. It's part of our inheritance. 
and he's thinking, I am not giving up an inch of what God has given me. He's thinking this land may only contain lentils, but it's worth fighting for because God gave it to us. And so Shammah takes his stand. He defends the lentil patch when no one else would. And the result was a great victory. You know, that was supernatural. However mighty a warrior you are, you can't fight off hundreds and hundreds of Philistines single-handed. Commentators say, and I don't know how they calculate this, but they reckon there there were at least 300 um, Philistines coming against him that day. Possibly as many as 800. And he stands in the middle of the lentil field and he fights them single-handed. You know, that is God. When you stand, God works on your behalf. When you stand, you step out of the natural and into the supernatural. When you stand, you can't see the way through. You can't see a solution. You can't see the answer. But you keep standing anyway. And that's part of the fight of faith. I want to tell you tonight, sometimes we need to bother about the lentils. Because the ground God has given us is precious. It's worth defending. Your relationship with God is worth defending. Your your marriage is worth defending. Your kids are worth defending. Your church, your pastors are worth defending. Your calling is worth defending. And the thing is, at the low points of your life... When the enemy is rising up against you, when the, the Philistines are encroaching from every direction, there is a temptation to see these things as having less value. You know, the things that are important to us shrink in our sight as the, as the pressure comes on. You know, we all think your church is, is wonderful when things are going well. But what happens when the pressure is on? Do you remember Esau? Esau sold his um, inheritance for a bowl of stew. How crazy is that? But, you know, if Esau hadn't been hungry, the plate of stew would have seemed like nothing in comparison to his inheritance. But by the time he was under, under pressure, by the time he hadn't eaten for days and days and days on end, that stew had grown so big in his sight that he could no longer see the inheritance that God had, had promised him. Yeah. And the same will happen to us at pressure points in our lives. Where, when the circumstances of life or the attacks of the enemy are really turning the screw on us, then those things that are so valuable in the sight of God begin to shrink in our sight. And that's why at times of pressure... We must never make that decision to pull out. That is the time to stand. There will be a thousand reasons to back down. And some of them will be very good reasons. You know, we are never short of an excuse when we want to, to pull out of something. But I'd encourage you, never retreat. Never let the devil push you off ground that you've already taken. You need to stand. You need to defend your lentil patch. Even as the the hordes of hell come against you, that lentil patch shrinks in your sight. It it begins to seem insignificant, where before it had seemed so precious. But stand, stand, stand. 
We find the same revelation through the New Testament. I, I had verses coming out my ears in preparation for this sermon. The, the, the verses that say stand, the verses that say never give up. There are many, many, many of them. Here's just one example. Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. You know, we get to the end of our natural resources. We think, I've done this and I've done that and what else can I possibly do? Well, you don't need to do anything else at that point except stand. Give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. As soon as we start backing off from one thing, then the pressure will move somewhere else. We'll have to fight at least as hard to win the second battle as we would have to to win the first. So better to fight the first. Better to stand and fight and not give any ground. When Kate and I were in air, I had just started out working as a teacher. Kate had given up her job in order to look after baby Becca. And things were tight financially. Um, There were no permanent teaching jobs available. I was um, in the supply system. I was working a day here and a day there. And the the figures were simply not adding up. We were really desperately short of money. And we were in there to commit to that church. We were in there because um, God had called us to stand alongside pastors John and Rachel and help build that church. And for a few years, that was great. But as the financial pressure came around our lives, then I began to, to look around the place. I began to notice there were parts of Britain where there were loads of teaching jobs. <laughs> the irony here was that I had gone into teaching in order to stay in air. I'd had a change of direction. I'd, I'd been working in biological research um, prior to that. And... When God called me to commit to the church, I realized this, these two are, are really not going to go together. So I had a change of direction in terms of career. But then the doors weren't opening. Things weren't happening. The pressure's on. The screw's getting tightened. And suddenly the, the calling to the church, which had loomed so large in my sight at one stage, it began to shrink as the, the financial pressure got around our lives. Often, I had no work booked, and uh, we would get up in the morning, I'd put my suit on, regardless of whether I I had anything arranged, we would pray, and sometimes as we prayed, the the telephone would ring and a school would call me in for the day. But during that year, we basically lived from hand to mouth, and the the temptation to to jump out and um, move somewhere else was constantly there. But you know, we took a decision. We are going to stand. We had done everything else that, that um, we could possibly think of doing. We had prayed. We'd done the natural things. I'd applied for jobs. 
but I couldn't get a job because they were looking for experience and I didn't have experience. And ultimately, when it came down to it, we just decided we are going to stand. And, you know, God provided through that, that year. Our income was, was so low. As, uh, if you try and do the sums on paper, you can't see how we survived. But we did, and we didn't go into debt at all that year. And, you know, this isn't a story of, um, of one day a letter dropped through the door and, and offered me the, the most amazing job on, in the world. No, it was a fight for several years. But as we stood our ground, then things slowly improved. As we stood our ground, things began to turn around. As we stood our ground and, and defended what God had given us, which was a calling to that church, something valuable in God's sight, then slowly, 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 the, the doors began to open. There's a, there's a charismatic nonsense that you hear sometimes that, um, that says something like this, if God's in it, it will be easy. Or if God's in it, then the doors will open. You know, it isn't true. It, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Don't try and determine the will of God by what door opens. You know, God had clearly called us to err. When the, when the calling to that church came, there was no doubt in our minds that it was God. It's only when the pressure's on that you begin to doubt. It's only when the pressure's on that you begin to question. And, you know, when the pressure's on you, you'll begin to question too. You'll begin to question your calling. You'll begin to question your commitments. You'll begin to say, like Eve did in the garden, did God really say? But, you know, we knew at the time that God had spoken. And we just need to take hold of that promise and to stand. Yeah. It's time to defend the things that have eternal value. Your relationship with God, your marriage, your church, all these things. Defend them when logic says otherwise. Defend them when the future is uncertain. Defend them when you can't see a way forward. Sometimes you don't need to work it all out. Sometimes all you need to do is to stand. In Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8, it says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. So, I'd encourage you tonight, when there are Philistines everywhere, don't retreat, but stand. When the pressures of life are crowding in, don't change your mind. Don't change your direction. Stand. When you can't see the way forward, when you can't work it all out, don't turn around. Stand. You can't see the way, but God can. Allow Him to step in. Allow to move in your circumstances. Allow Him to bring change. To allow Him to do that, you need to stand. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we thank you for the victory that you won on the cross through the death of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that in him we can stand. Lord, we thank you that whatever the enemy throws against us, we can stand. That whatever the circumstances of life come around us, we can stand. And Father, I pray for that strength 
that resolve in the inside of, of each of our lives, Lord, the, that we will take our stand when life squeezes us, when the pressure is on, when the screw turns, when the Philistines rise up against us, we will stand. You know, tonight, maybe you're here in this place and you don't know the God that enables you to stand. You've never made a connection with Him. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You know, it's a simple thing to do, but it will change the course of your life. You know, Jesus died on the cross to make a way. Jesus died on the cross so that we would, instead of being separated from God, so that we could come into relationship with Him. It's amazing, but it's true. God will take away the barrier. God will take away that thing which prevents us from meeting with Him, prevents us from entering into heaven, prevents us from coming into relationship. But He leaves the ball in our court. He says, you choose. And maybe tonight is the night that you're going to choose. Maybe tonight is the night when you're going to make that decision. I'm going to accept the offer that God gives. I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to do a U-turn in my life. And I'm going to start to go God's way. I'd encourage you to do that. As I've said tonight, it's not an easy road all the time. But you know, as soon as you make that choice, you've God with you every step of the way. You've God strengthening you. You've God encouraging you. You've God backing you up. And you have God enabling you to stand. While every eyes closed in this place, is there anyone who would like to make that choice tonight? Just stick your hand up high so I can see it and then put it back down again. Anyone like to make a choice for Jesus tonight? Father, I thank you for your work in every heart in this place. Lord, I pray that you would inspire us as we go forth into the world this week. Lord, as we go into our workplaces, as we go into our places of study, as we go into our streets, into our communities. Lord, whatever pressure is put around our lives, Lord, that you would help us to truly value the things that you value. To defend our lentil patch. To fight, fight, fight to take our stand. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com God bless.